Well, thank you guys for leading us in worship, and thank you to the Center Point body for just standing with us through this difficult time. It's really been neat to see um, how God has used this challenge to really be a blessing to our church and, and give us a lot of neat opportunities. Thanks, Pastor Billy, for taking care of all that and for leading us in worship. My name is Lowell. I'm the lead pastor here at Centerpoint, and it is my privilege to open up God's Word every week and to um, share with our church body um, from God's Word. And it's always a privilege. I will say it's been a challenge these last four weeks, and um, the challenge is not uh, unique for me. Um, churches all over the country are kind of working through how we're going to operate in the middle of this crisis and and I just want to say a few words of thank you. I've already thanked the body for how they've supported and stood with us, encouraged us. I know you're praying for us, praying for the whole church, and, and that is a good thing. I encourage you to take part on Wednesday night, to take part on Sunday morning. Um, we have opportunities where we can interact with each other through Facebook and so forth. Do that. Also, reach out to one another. Listen, if, there's some, if somebody comes to your mind, if God prods your heart with a name of, of somebody in our body, somebody in our church, please reach out to them. Please call them. I've had many people express to me how much they appreciate getting phone calls in the middle of all of this. So, so take advantage of, of the opportunities that we have through phone and email and texting and all of that. I also want to thank the, the tech crew that's, that's making all this possible. They're doing a great job, and it's been a, it's been a blessing to, to see all that come together. But you know, none of this is possible. None of this, is, none of this would ever happen if it were not for the work of Jesus Christ. He has changed lives. He has changed the people who who call Centerpoint Bible Church their church. He's, he's changed us into new creatures that desire to see His truth shared with everyone else, that desire to, to serve the Lord in fulfilling His mission of taking the gospel to the world. None of us would do this if it wasn't for Jesus. And Jesus couldn't do it if He hadn't conquered death. It's Easter morning. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We use this time every year to, to have a special time of celebration. We actually celebrate every Sunday morning when we gather either here or in person. When we gather on Sundays, it's because Jesus came out of the tomb on a Sunday. But this is the one time of every year that we celebrate in a special way. And we look to the cross of Christ and we look to the empty tomb of Jesus, and we look to our risen Savior, and we worship Him. Now, one of the things I want to express to you today, what I'm hoping will come through on our brief moments together, is that when a person puts their trust in a risen Savior, He makes a new life difference. This is not a religion. This is not a club. I don't know what your experience is with Christianity or with religion of, of any name. I don't know what it is. But what I hope will come through today through the medium of Facebook Live is that God desires to have a real relationship with you and He did what it would take to provide it. Now to illustrate 
um, the benefit and the, the blessing of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to tell you a story from my youth. I was never much of an athlete. That's just not something God really blessed me with, athletic ability. But just because I wasn't good at basketball didn't mean I didn't want to be good. And it didn't mean that I couldn't recognize when somebody else was. When I was in middle school, there was a young man who was in my school uh, in, in the same grade as I was in, and, and he was a phenomenal basketball player. His name was Scott, and it's when he would play basketball, it was like he was the one man on the court playing with a bunch of boys. He just seemed to glide above the rest of us. It was seemed to be effortless that he just he was able to put the ball through the cylinder whenever he wanted to, and at any moment could just could just go weave in and out of all of us us boys playing basketball with this practically man on the court with us in sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Now I bring that up because we can recognize the difference. In an individual, when, look, when we look at athletics or maybe even academics, we can see one who seems to glide above all the others. We can see one who, who seems to operate at a different level than everyone else. I bring that up because what we're going to see from God's Word is this. When Christ changes a life, that person is called to live through a crisis like no one else that can seemingly glide above the others in the midst of a crisis. How is that possible? How is it possible to live with that kind of trust, with that kind of hope, with that kind of confidence? If you have your Bible, find the book of 1 Peter. We're doing a small study in the book of 1 Peter together. Um, we're not working through every single verse, every chapter, and so forth. But I'm just picking a few important passages and, and trying to explain what it is that they teach us. Today I'll be in chapter 3. And what Peter is going to show us is how to have hope in the midst of a crisis. How to have confidence in the midst of a crisis. A spoiler alert. It all comes down to the resurrection of Jesus. That's where hope is found. That's where confidence is found. Now, if you've been with us over the last four weeks, you've heard me say that this book, the book of 1 Peter, five chapters, were written by the Apostle Peter to a group of believers who were experiencing a great crisis. Theirs was not a disease or a plague. Theirs was a persecution by the government of that day. And the persecution was solely because they named the name of Jesus. Because they bowed to Jesus Christ alone, not the emperor. And what that brought upon them was a great deal of persecution. So when we read these words, we need to know that the original recipients were going through a great struggle. They were going through a great challenge. It our present challenge pales in comparison to what these people were experiencing. There wasn't the possibility of sickness or even death. There was the very present reality of death. Even Peter, the man who wrote these words, would give up his life to the executioner's sword 
because he followed Christ and would not deny him. I'm going to read uh, at 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8, 9, and 10 for right now. What I want us to see is how these followers of Christ, the, how they lived in a crisis. And I want you to see, and I want us to see, the difference that Jesus makes. This is in 1 Peter chapter 3, and this is what Peter writes. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Now pause in the reading. Remember the situation. They're hiding from the governing authorities. Their friends and family are being burned alive, are giving up their life because they follow Christ. Back to the reading. Peter writes, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Forever desires to love life and see good days. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Jump down to verse 18 and see where we're going. For Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Here is the only reliable source of confidence. The finished work of Christ. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. This is the only way that we can face any crisis, with any kind of confidence, to know that Jesus has faced the worst that this world can offer and beat it. He beat it. It allows us to glide above all the others, to seemingly be unaffected in our heart and in our spirit, to have confidence and hope and trust and peace in the middle of a crisis. How is this possible? Well, let me tell you how it's not possible before I get into how it is possible. It is not possible by more, by more effort. It's not possible by more discipline or more diligence. It's not possible by, by heavier sorrow over, over your own state. It's not possible by more knowledge. It's not possible in your own strength. God desires to change us. Peter said it this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There it is. The resurrection of Jesus brings us hope. The resurrection of Jesus 
allows us to be born again. Now that should strike you as strange. The original hearer of those words was shocked by what Jesus said when he said, you must be born again. How can this be, he said. This is the radical change that God must work in our lives in order to give us any kind of peace, any kind of trust, any kind of confidence. All other confidence, all other trust, all other peace, will, will, they will all fail because they rest in a failed person. But looking to Jesus and the living hope and being born again, rest in a living Savior that has conquered death. So let me just show you three things that I see in our passage for today. 1 Peter 3, 8 through 22. We won't have time to look at every verse, but I do want you to see a few things here that Peter expresses to us that it might be a challenge to us. First of all, in verse 8, which I read it to you earlier, we see that these new believers, these born-again living hopers, they have hope through life's trials. Look what Peter says. You have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. How is this possible? When your life could be demanded of you this very day because you follow Jesus? How is it possible for us today when a bad cough or a sneeze could bring you sickness? How can we have trust and confidence in this kind of life? Only through the work of Jesus. Look what Peter says. There'll be unity of mind. That's a commitment to one another. There'll be sympathy. That's to care for other people. There'll be brotherly love. This is, a, this is not only that you feel care, but you show care for other people. There'll be a tender heart. This is compassion towards others and kindness towards others. A humble mind, recognizing my own humanity and my own fallenness. Peter says, this is what should characterize new life hopers. This kind of trust, this kind of confidence. Do you have that today? Do you have that this morning? Does this describe you this Easter morning of 2020? The world around us is crazy. People are afraid. People are panicking and, and, and anxious. They're like those 6th, 7th, 8th graders out there trying to make a basket. What God describes is we should be one that glides above, that is so confident in what Christ has done, that come what may, death has been defeated. Jesus has conquered sin. I've been forgiven. This is new life hope. Now it's all found in a personal relationship with God. That's the only place it's found. If you received an email from us this week, I, I put together some worship notes for you. And if you don't already get that, I encourage you, email us and let us know your email address so we can forward you notes for what we share on Sunday morning. This morning I gave you several passages of Scripture that I encourage you to look at this week that speak of a personal relationship that God has 
with his children that brings this kind of new life hope. Psalm 55 talks about casting our burdens on him. You can do that if you know God today. You can cast your burdens upon the Lord and he will sustain you, Scripture says. Jesus said in John 16, that in this world you will have tribulation, you will have trial, you will have difficulties, but you may have peace if you know Christ. Romans 8, Paul writes that the suffering of this present time, and oh, how that we can feel that right now. The suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that is ours in the future. And James says, count it joy when you fall into all kinds of trials of various kinds. This is what God invites us to. This kind of relationship with Him, a personal relationship, a trusting relationship. Do you have that? Now, Peter didn't just describe what it's supposed to look like. He told us how to have it. As as hard as I may have tried, I could never play basketball as good as Scott. Oh, I wanted to. And I would practice, I would, I would go out to my home court and I would shoot and I would shoot and I would shoot and I would dribble with the right and dribble with the left and I, I could never play ball like Scott. See, it wasn't in my nature. Ball came natural to him. Hand him a basketball, he knew what to do with it. It was his nature, but it was never mine. God offers to change our nature. Not not to an effective basketball player, to a new life hoper. But it comes down to a cross. That's the difference. That's the change agent, the work of Christ. See it in verse 18. Look with me. It says, For Christ also suffered once for sins. What Peter is showing us is that that hope is possible, confidence is possible through sin's defeat. Now he says here that Christ also suffered. See, Peter is recognizing that the recipients of this letter were suffering. And they were wondering, what good is this suffering? What good is it for me to suffer? Why why am I suffering, God? And so what Peter is expressing to them is, God uses suffering. If you want to see him use suffering, look to the cross. Look to the cross. That's the most unjust suffering in all of history. And look at how he used it. He changes people. This is what Peter is describing. So he said, For Christ also suffered once for sins. See, Jesus' death was a sin offering. It was a sin offering. Sinners deserve to die. We sin against a holy God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the only just penalty for sin was death. So we all deserved death. So Jesus suffered, but he suffered death, Peter wrote. Death in the flesh. 
He suffered, Peter writes, for Christ also suffered once for sins. I want you to see that this suffering of Christ, the death of Christ, was sufficient. It was all that was needed. He suffered once by giving his life for sins. There was nothing that needed added to what Christ offered. We didn't need to add our own righteousness. We don't need to add our baptism. We don't need to add our church membership or our church attendance or our giving or our our taking or serving or, or anything. Christ suffered once for all sins. His death was completely sufficient. Well, how was that possible? Because it was a substitution. The righteous, Peter writes, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous... For the unrighteous. It was a substitution. I deserved the cross. You deserved the cross. We all deserved death because we are all unrighteous. But there was only one righteous man in all of history the God man, Jesus Christ. And so the righteous one took the place of the unrighteous one. Jesus' death on a cross was a substitution, a sufficient substitution. A sufficient substitution that was a sin offering. He says that he might, that Jesus might, hear this. Hear what real Christ following is. That he, Jesus, might bring us, you, to God. This is what Jesus offers. He's coming to you now. He comes in your heart when you hear these words. He comes in your heart now to usher you, to usher you past His cross, to see His cross, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. You see, this work of Christ was completely satisfactory. It was enough. The righteous for the unrighteous was enough to bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh. That's what happened to Jesus. He really died. He was put to death in the flesh. You know, if the Bible ended there, you would have no hope. We would end this recording and we would say, you have no hope. But the passage doesn't end there. The Spirit of God did not end there. The Apostle Peter did not end there. Hear what he said. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Who was? Jesus was. More correct, Jesus is. He is made alive in or by the Spirit. God's Spirit brought Jesus to life, resurrected to life, conquering death. This is why we have hope. Man's greatest foe has been defeated. This is the death of death. Sin has been destroyed. Sin has been beaten. Sin has been killed. Through a cross. 
through a Savior on a cross, placed in a tomb, brought to life and resurrected. Now, Peter describes much more in this passage, and for the sake of time, I, I really don't have the opportunity right now to explain it all. He does talk about what Jesus did on Saturday, if you will, where he was murdered, killed on Friday, and resurrected on Sunday. I encourage you, we, we do offer a podcast to you. If, you. if you look on your Facebook site, there's a podcast where Pastor Billy and I explain what happened, some of the things that occurred between Friday and Sunday. I, I invite you to that. It, it might bring some little more meaning to this passage. But what I want to do now is I, I want to jump down to the end. And I want to explain two things to you that I think will bring you a hope in Jesus' victory. In verse number 21, we start in. It says this, Baptism, which corresponds, corresponds to this now, saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Now, I think we must explain this, and I want to take a moment to do that. We've already said that we don't add anything to what Jesus did. His, his death, his burial, his resurrection is sufficient. So what is Peter telling us? When he says, baptism now saves you, not as removal of dirt, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Here's what Peter is calling you to today. It's not enough to know this. It's not enough to know that Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected. What you and I must do is we must respond to his offer. You hear this today. You and I have to respond. This is what Peter is calling them to, a baptism, which was an identification. It was saying, I'm a follower of Christ. I put my trust in Jesus. It was a response to this offer. Have you responded to what Jesus has offered? Have you responded in your heart? All you've got to do is, is believe on what Jesus did. Believe on, that is what this is. This corresponds to this is believing. If you read in the passage, Peter talks about Noah's day when people believed and got in the boat and they were saved. You and I must believe on what Jesus did. It's not enough to know. It's not enough to know. There are people that are tuning in to our Facebook site and watching these, these live stream services. And, and some of you may or may not know me. Let me tell you a brief bit of my story. I spent many of my years, my, my growing up years, I knew all about Jesus. I had been baptized. I was very regular at church. I was a pretty good kid. But I'd never responded to Jesus. I had never called out to Christ that he might save me. And so I was a person without hope, a person without forgiveness, a person without confidence in Christ. And one day, God spoke to my heart and I responded and cried out to God, an appeal for a good conscience, an appeal for forgiveness. Oh God, forgive me, forgive me. And the passage says, 
that this happens through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is now going into heaven and at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers, they're all now subject to him. I don't know where you are today in your relationship with God. I don't know if this COVID-19 crisis has rattled you to your core. Some of you are facing the reality of potential death, and it's scary. Some of you are are facing the reality of the loss of a job or the the loss of finances, and it's rattling you. It's scary. I want to bring you hope today. I want to bring you peace and confidence. I can't tell you that I can protect your life. I can't tell you I can protect your savings account. But I can tell you that Jesus Christ can protect your eternity. If you come to him for forgiveness, if you respond to what he did at the cross and cry out to him, save me, he does. And he brings hope and he brings peace. If you made that decision today, please email us. Send us an email. Send it to myself, my personal email address, pastorlowmcd at gmail.com. Let us know. Let us know that, that God is working in your life and that you have responded to the finished work of Jesus. But much more important than you responding to me is that you might respond to him. Let me pray and help you if that's what God is doing in your heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace, that it is sufficient, Lord, that what you did was enough to satisfy God's righteous demand, that you brought us to you. Jesus brought us to God, and that nothing we could do could ever add to that. It was once for sins. No church membership, no baptism, no, nothing that we can add to this, Lord. You said from the cross, it is finished. Father, I pray for anyone today that's listening and they're, they're responding in their heart. God, I pray that they would admit to you they're a sinner, that they believe on what you did on the cross, and that they would call out to you that you might save them. It's as simple as A, B, C. Admit, believe, and call. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your work on the cross, the only work that would ever save We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as is our custom every single week when we end our service, we always end with Jesus' last words before he ascended to be with the Father. Easter is the celebration of the resurrection. And right after that, right after Jesus was resurrected, he spent time with his disciples, telling them what it is that they were to do. And his last call to them before he ascended to the right hand of the Father is found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Hear it as I read it and be challenged by its truth. And Jesus came and spoke to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. Amen.